Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm the host. And my guest <laughs> in the studio this week is man of the moment, Tony Kerr. <sighs> Which moment is that? The moment. The moment. This moment. Did you like that I introduced myself as the host, you as the guest? I'm trying to create more of a talk show vibe <laughs> in here. I'm thinking yeah. about getting a house band. Four puffs and a piano were unavailable, but uh, we'll see what we can come up with. Yeah, I mean, obviously, by introducing this show, you know... You were carrying out some hosting duties there. But that's where the hosting stops for you, really, isn't it? Are you suggesting you do- that you'd like to introduce the show? Well, I'm just saying that, you know, maybe maybe the listeners are getting tired of the same old gags. You well, know? no, be my guest. <laughs> I mean, well, no, don't be my guest. Yeah. Be my host. Be my host. <laughs> no, I'll leave it to you for tonight, Adam. Well, let's see what you got, confident. If you're so <laughs> confident that you can do what I do, then why not, why not do it now? Just no need. You've done it. I was also trying to, you know, have a, a slightly shorter more concise intro than than last well, week well i think the listeners will definitely welcome that yeah because I, I i did i had planned a sort of you know the bert to my ernie the butch to my sundance the hesky to my owen uh type <laughs> intro but i'm not sure if anyone really wants to go through all of that again after the the fiasco last week rosie and jim did anyone know rosie and jim puppets who lived on a houseboat didn't uh, get an overwhelming response. <laughs> radio <laughs> silence, <laughs> I'd describe it as. Radio silence. <sighs> How's it going this week, Tone? It's, well, yeah, it's going well, I'd say. Yeah, a few things have knocked me out of my, off my stride What's, over the weekend. Such as what? Uh, well, no, I just had a few uh, scheduling errors that led to me uh, you know, missing some points in the fantasy. Well, I just want to get onto that, you know, get that out of the way quickly. The fantasy league? Yeah. So let's just get that one out of the way, then we can move on. Well, I mean, you know, I was going to draw it out a bit. I was, you know, you've you got to let it let it brew for a while. Because, of course, yeah, the uh, the World 2020 came to an end. A thrilling conclusion in the final on Sunday. Uh, we will be getting to grips with that on today's show. But, yeah, as Tony has just intimated there, perhaps before we get going, we should uh, we should discuss the climax to the World Cricket Show Fantasy League. I mean, we could do an hour on this alone. I'm was... surprised you don't want to just gloss over it. I'm surprised. No, I just want to get out of the way. Your feelings are not so hurt. <clears throat> All throughout the tournament, we've been running a fantasy mini league on the, the Crick Info game. Uh, and there's been a bit of a rivalry between me and Tony over who is going to finish higher up the table. Tony was ahead of me throughout most of the competition, but last week I went past him and, and this week just carried it on. It's finished with me in sixth. That was a good performance for me. And Tony all the way yeah. down in 12th. Credit where credit's due. Are uh, you disappointed, Tony? Because you should be. Well, look, I'm not going to make any excuses right. other than the ones I'm about to make. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to overdo it. I didn't really get my work-life balance right in terms of, you know, 
the Fantasy League and my weekend. Is Fantasy League work? <laughs> well, <laughs> is, that, is that what you're describing it as? Very much so. Right. Uh, yeah, I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a sleep malfunction on on Sunday morning, which led to me failing to change my team in time. You, uh, you overslept. As well, you basically, I had to. I annoyingly had three matches of of touch. Rugby. Three three matches of that. Got up. I literally had to run out the door to, to go to those. And then it was it was gone. It was the the, the uh, deadline had passed by the time I'd come to my senses, which is disappointing. But there you go. You know that's just one excuse. The second excuse, uh, I overslept. That's the same the, excuse the as the as one well. before. Uh, yeah, there's a couple though. A couple in the last week. I basically just let. <laughs> basically, I, I basically, you've been oversleeping so much. Why don't you change it the night before, though? Because I like to, I like to, you know, get a feel for the, you know, the morning, you know, get a feel for the teams and. And how's that worked well, out? Well, not particularly well. No, I mean it worked out brilliantly in the early parts of the tournament, where I was absolutely, you know, blazing a trail. But what this is now, though, is this is exactly like the 50 over World Cup fancy league, where because you were leading me for the first part of it. Now in your head, <laughs> you feel like you won, and in twelve months' time, you'll be like, "Didn't I win that?" No, I'm going to credit where credit's due, Adam. You've you've done well, and you've you've held up the uh, the World Cricket Show end nicely. Sincere congratulations <laughs> from me. Had a bit of a nightmare in the knockout stages. I mean, you you finished fifth with seventeen hundred and five points. You've got to go all the way down to thirty fourth to find me, which is <laughs> very disappointing. Very disappointing. But, you know, just going back to the group stages. Which is, you know, which is the real meat of the tournament. No, uh, no, it isn't. Oh, it's well ahead of you. So there we go. Anyway, let's not dwell on that. Well, if we can go through the the final standings, as as we say, I finished sixth. Uh, then in fifth, we had Gurpreet Singh. Mohit Reddy was fourth. Yasser Gafur. Well, we started at sixth. Un- yeah, it's <laughs> an unconventional number to come in at in the in the rundown. But well, I, I can wanna, see why you've done it. I could start at eleventh <laughs> if you prefer to. <laughs> I think top 15, that's, that makes sense. Mm, that's I don't logical. know, because well, I, I don't think we need to go down as far as 12. We can start with 11. <laughs> uh, but 6th, um, Adam Bayfield. 5th, Gurpreet Singh. 4th, Mohit Reddy. 3rd, Yasir Gafur. 2nd was Sajit Saini. And the winner of the World Cricket Show Fantasy Mini League and the winner of the coveted World Cricket Show mug is Hasitha Kandambi. So there you go. Congratulations to Sita. If you get in touch with us, perhaps send us an email uh, with your address or something like that. Uh, we'll get that mug out to you. Finished a very respectable 213th overall as well. Well, I managed to, I, I finished above your brother, so I've at least slayed one Bayfield in all of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not entirely but, false. Yeah, false naming. Your team name was, of course, Bayfield Slayers. Wasn't that uh, McRae's objective when he set out London correspondent Gordon McRae? He said, as long as I finish above the brother... Uh, then I've done my job. Oh, well, you've got to go all the way down to 75th to find him. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Desperately poor. And this is why we don't get him on the show to talk about cricket very often. <laughs> Did you enjoy the Fantasy League, though, Tony? Yeah. Did you have fun? Did you have a good time? Did you enjoy it? I mean, it was the taking part that counted. Uh, I had a great time. There is there's an aspect of it, though, that means uh, that kind of creates this atmosphere when you're watching uh, cricket, though, where big points are, are being decided in your fancy team. It just makes everything really kind of nerve-wracking and unsettling uh, and annoying, annoying. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quite annoying particularly when it gets to the final stages like in the final I had nine players and obviously they're split between the two sides so I'm watching Marlon Samuels batter sixes I'm like oh this is brilliant but he's battering them off Lassith Malinga who's also in my team it's very much a double-edged sword all the time Mendes gets Gale out are you Happy or sad? I mean, that, that's where it kind of... Not sad, I suppose. Yeah. Not, not like moping around like Charlie Brown, yeah. 
angry, if anything. I mean, I guess the final and to a certain extent the semi-finals are kind of the games where you know you you have got most of the players pretty much in action. That's where that's where it gets a bit to be a bit of a farce, and that's maybe yeah, that's maybe why I didn't take it quite seriously <laughs> towards the end of the competition. <laughs> Whatever, team. Whatever. <laughs> World 2020. This is the part of the show where we talk about the World 2020, and it's over. The 2012 World 2020 is done. Two and a half weeks of frenetic, relentless cricket. And it all came to an end in a sensational final on Sunday at the Primadasa Stadium in Colombo. As I'm sure everybody knows, but let's go through it anyway. It was oh. Sri Lanka versus okay. the West Indies. I was worried you were going to do the whole tournament. Just to <laughs> summarise it, you know, it in 25 minutes if you can. Well, Sri Lanka took on Zimbabwe <laughs> in the first game. Uh, Brendan Taylor got a first ball duck. Um, West Indies won the toss, decided to bat first. Uh, but that looked like a very dodgy decision. Uh, when they were, what, 14 for two after six overs, 32 for two after 10 overs. But some quite brilliant hitting from Marlon Samuels. He struck six sixes in a knock of 78 from 56 balls. Dragged them up to 137 for six, which is, you know, by no means a, a massive score in 2020, but it was an awful lot better than it looked like they would get at the halfway mark of their innings. And Sri Lanka, in response, you know, you felt that if they had a good power play, They'd probably take the game away from West Indies. But Tilakratni Dilshan was dismissed for a duck. A quite sensational delivery from Ravi Rampal seeming away and, uh, and hitting the top of off stump. Uh, and after that, they kept losing wickets at regular intervals. Sunil Narayan took three wickets for nine runs. Darren Sami, two for six. And Sri Lanka were eventually all out for 101. Lasith Malinga hoisting Narayan into the outfield where he was caught by Dwayne Bravo to seal the victory for the West Indies and sparked some quite extraordinary celebrations. Fair amount of dancing. More dancing than Tony on a night out in the local nightclub. Am I right? Am Similar I, amounts, yeah. Am I Similar right, Tony? Amounts. Maybe less Gangnam style from me. But, you know. <laughs> West Indies, worthy winners? Very worthy, yeah. Very worthy, very popular winners. Like, almost ridiculously so. A universally popular winner. Even with Sri Lankan fans, you got the sense. I mean, yeah. Sri Lankan fans probably wanted their team to win but it, you didn't get the impression that they begrudged uh, that it was the West Indies that beat them in the way that Absolutely. they would have done if it had been any other team. From a neutral's perspective, it was win-win, the final. Uh, you know, I would have been happy to see either side uh, come through. I mean, it's like a tinge of disappointment and sadness for Sri Lanka. Obviously, it would have been pretty special to win it in front of their own, uh, their own people, but you know, it wasn't to be in West Indies. I think, yeah, definitely, definitely very deserving of the title. A fantastic balanced side and even Darren Sammy came in at the end, you know, he's, he's had an interesting kind of career so far in terms of his reception. Uh, but yeah, he, he did brilliantly. And yeah, I'm very happy for them. Is this the dawn of a new era uh, or would that be an overreaction? I think that's a big overreaction, yeah. I'm just asking the questions, Tone. That's, that's my role here as the host. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be you'd be hard pushed to call it a new era. Uh, you know, we've had four uh, World T20s now, four different winners. This is kind of these two weeks or how many days it was are over. Um, you know, we go back to playing Test cricket and you know a bit of one day cricket, uh, and not a huge amount of 2020 cricket really internationally. So it's a bit of an aside, isn't it? In, in many ways, although it shouldn't be because for me, I mean, it's, uh, probably for you, I'm going to speak for you as well now. It's kind of comfortably. Alongside the Ashes, it's come to be kind of one of those kind of top two most exciting kind of series or events in, in cricket. Yeah, certainly. And, and as an England fan, England's victory in the World 2020 two years ago is up there with Ashes successes and, and you know, big Test Series successes as 
one of the things I'm most proud of <laughs> in my life. Um, You've achieved a lot. I mean, seeing England win a World T20, yeah, must make you very pleased. Yeah, ate plenty of cereal and cheered on the boys. Um, I don't mean in terms of world cricket is a new era. No, no, no. I mean, I mean it for the West yeah, Indies. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, that uh, just look at the, the, you know, the rankings, you know, that they're way down in seventh in the test rankings, pretty much the same in, in the ODI championship. But, but that's not to say that this can, can't spur them on to, to start climbing those. Absolutely. Those and stats. is there not a sense that's been building, you know, since well before this tournament as well, that we've come out the other side of this West Indies decline? I mean, yes, you don't want to get carried away with a World 2020 success. And the unpredictability of, of 2020 cricket is something that we've talked about an awful lot. And as a result, it's difficult to just draw simple conclusions. But it's hard not to be excited about this result as a cricket fan because, you know, as you say, West Indies, an incredibly popular team, incredibly popular winners, um, and everybody wants them to be good again. A strong West Indian team is good for cricket, you know, probably more than any other country in the world because to an extent, cricket is West Indies cricket. I mean, obviously, you know, England is the the actual home of the game and Asia is the epicentre of the game in terms of population and in terms of money. But, you know, maybe the Caribbean is the spiritual home of the game. Maybe that's where the really great stories of cricket have been written. And in the last couple of decades, it's been a desperately sad aspect of cricket that West Indies just haven't been there. So everyone wants them to be good again. Now, you, don't, you really don't want to get carried away, but it is, it is undeniably tempting to see this as the end of the decline and the, you know, the turning of a corner, the beginning of better times the sunny uplands that we've all been we've all been promised but as you say what we really want to see is a a successful test side and we're probably still some way away from that and you know West Indies won a global tournament eight years ago they won the champions trophy um, and that didn't change the kind of overall pattern of things but it does feel different this time because that win in 204 just came out of the blue no one saw it coming whereas I think people did kind of see this coming ahead of this tournament they were heavily tipped as one of the favorites and with good reason, they've got a very good team, certainly for this format, but they've got very good players anyway. And you just feel that, yes, they're not going to go and dominate cricket now like they did in the 1970s and 80s. But there's no reason why they can't become a competitive side in all formats at this point. No, they should be able to. And you know, they are, like you say, the, the signs have kind of the signs have been there for, for a little while. The resolution of the kind of Gale situation was a huge step forward. And that's something that's been pulling the rug out from under their feet for years and that the whole the board and the, the disputes with players uh, to begin to have that settled is is a huge positive for them and they've now got a team that's got not just one or two but you know a, half a dozen really strong kind of world-class players uh, and and a bit of variety and a bit of you know a bit of kind of vim and it's good to see I don't like the word vim well I've used it Adam. <laughs> I've used it I'm going to use it more now you've you told me that it's one of my least favourite words I love it well, and crucially um, as well, they've got some unbelievably good players, but they are a team. And if you look at this performance in the final, it was a strange performance in a way in terms of you know expectations of this West Indian side. We all knew that they were capable of producing box office cricket. We saw it in the semi-final against Australia. They just went out and blitzed the Aussie bowlers and just generally turned in a, you know, a swashbuckling display. But this victory was a, a backs-to-the-wall job, wasn't it? They got off to an unimaginably poor start. I think it was 17 balls before they scored the first run off the bat. You know, the power play, they, ended, they were, what, 14 for two? Well, I mean, staggering that they, they won the game and Chris Gale got three off 16. They kept their belief, they kept their focus and they pulled through. And it was a victory conjured out of 
guts and nerve and steel, not flair. I mean, there was flair as well. There's plenty of flair from, from Marlon Samuels and the like. Um, but it was flair that was produced in the most challenging circumstances. And I think that, more than anything else, is what's so encouraging about this win. Because it does suggest that this isn't just a team with some good players in it. It is a real team. I know mean, a lot of the credit for that has to go to the backroom staff and also to Darren Sammy. What does this victory do for his reputation? He's obviously not always been enormously popular with West Indian fans, but he's now led them to a global title. Do you think it will be enough to finally silence you know, those voices that have been calling for him to, to be replaced? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to for a while. Whether it, you know, it doesn't buy him kind of unlimited credit, uh, he's going to run out. Eventually, he'll have to top up at some point in the next couple of years. Paul Collingwood being an example of yeah. someone who got replaced uh, after winning this But certainly, it definitely undermines many of the arguments that have been like levelled against him. Yeah, it helps that he put in a really, in a way, you know, a critical performance in the final. 26, uh, 26 runs off 15 balls, you know, a couple of wickets at no runs. You know, it's a great return. I guess it doesn't necessarily undermine the arguments against him because, yes, th- this performance in the final was fantastic, but... He didn't necessarily contribute enormously with either bat or ball throughout the rest of the tournament. So there will always be people who say, you know, if he wasn't captain, he wouldn't be in the team. And that is undoubtedly true. But the point is, he is the captain and therefore he should be in the team because his captaincy is so important. You just look at how much West Indies have improved since he took over. I really don't think that's a coincidence. And he so deserves this victory. Whether or not it buys him unlimited grace, you know, as test skipper or whatever... I don't know. But hopefully it'll at least allow people to reflect on just how important his captaincy is to this side and why it's not as easy as saying, oh, he, he's not good enough to be in the team, therefore he shouldn't be in it. Yeah, I th- yeah in terms of overestimating the, the kind of significance of this win and of, of Sammy's performance, you know, we, we've said it all along how pretty much any one of the eight teams could have won this, could have won this competition. And the West Indies enjoyed some... Nice bits of luck, uh, Tim Southey bowling a no ball off the first ball of that super over. Yeah, and you feel that you know you can't get carried away because if they played a test series tomorrow against South Africa or England or um, Pakistan, you know they're probably not going to win that or even compete that closely. But they're moving in the right direction, and this victory confirms that. Hopefully, it's the start of better things. It's just a start, but you know it's not to be sniffed at. We talk about talk about Darren Sammy. Chris Gale coming back has obviously been another catalyst, um, not just because of what he actually does, though he does an awful lot, um, <laughs> but because of the confidence that I think he imbues into everybody else, knowing that they've got Gale in the team, does bring a certain swagger to the play of his teammates. So you know, both in terms of the dancing and the, you know, and all of that. But also just they know they've got Chris Gale and that must just be a big confidence lift as you're coming into a game. And I don't know, would they have had the confidence to produce this performance in the final had Gale not been there? Obviously, he failed personally, but does his mere presence sort of lift everyone else? It's impossible to say, but it's worth thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it does. Uh, I think we talked last week whether, you know, whether Gale or Watson was the best T20 player in the world. Yeah, maybe... (laughs) We said Watson, I think, last week, but maybe Gale edges it this week <laughs> on, the, you know, on the back of, uh, on the of winning back of, the tournament. Right, because he got three. <laughs> yeah. you know, he didn't really produce. Oh, he did in the semi-final, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it's got to give them a huge amount of belief. And also the fact that, I don't know how many times out of ten, you know, maybe six or seven times out of ten, he's producing you know, significant kind of match-deciding scores. 
at the top of the order. So often the West Indies have, have been given a really good start to matches, which is you know, presumably quite useful. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, his his actual contributions are yeah. immensely important. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah it, he's it, a huge it, presence, isn't he? Both literally and metaphorically. Figuratively. Figuratively, I should say, yeah. Well, no, not really either of those things, no. but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he is a big presence, let's just say. <laughs> let's put it that way. I don't know what he's a metaphor for, <laughs> um, but, but he is there. Uh, Marlon Samuels is there as well. He is there. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that 78 is going to go down as one of the great T20 innings um, because the pressure that he was under, his team crumbling around him. As we say, well, were they 32 for two after 10? In a final as well, that's, you know, you must, the dugout must have been thinking, well, you know, this is going. This well, is, the this game is looked gone. It, completely. It yeah. absolutely looked gone. I think everyone thought it was gone, including the Sri Lankans, but not Marlon Samuels. No other batsman scored more than 33 in the match, and he produced that, took the attack to Lassiz Malinga in a way that very few other players have ever been able to do. I'm not convinced that Malinga is the bowler that he used to be, but still, that was phenomenal. What did he yeah. score? More than 20 off and over twice, he, I think. I mean, he, he dumped ball after ball into the stands, didn't he? Uh, and yeah, some just ridiculous shots. I mean, even when Malinga was bowling it pretty full, late cuts for you know one-bounce fours or, or more. Uh, one-bounce wallops, as David <laughs> Lloyd says. I think yeah. the most amazing shot was, uh, uh, was a, a Yorker from Malinga that Samuels just got his front leg out of the way and just flicked it over square leg for six. I mean, how on earth do you do that? I really don't know. Yeah, it's a great shot. It's a great innings. I do think that the transformation in Marlon Samuels has been as important to the West Indies resurgence as Gale's return, uh, because actually Gale's return has been pretty recent, and West Indies have been, you know, going in the right direction for a while before that. And Marlon Samuels has been crucially important to that. He used to be just a nothing cricketer, really, didn't he? he bowled occasional off spin. Uh, batted at six and made sort of 30s, 40s, 50s now and again. Uh, and now he's one of the world's top batsmen and a very useful spin bowler as well. Yeah, and he finished you know, He finished with more runs in the tournament than Gale. Yeah, as far as everyone's concerned, he, he was their top guy in this tournament. So yeah, hugely impressive from the West Indies. Everyone's happy that they won. Uh, but a word on Sri Lanka, perhaps. You know, they're probably going to be furious to have thrown this away because it really was there for the taking. You know, in spite of how well West Indies played in turning it around, if you're Sri Lanka and you have any team in the world in that kind of situation, you've got to be enormously frustrated not to have finished it off. Uh, and this is, I think, their fourth global tournament final since 2007, and they've lost all four, which is not a statistic that they're going to be delighted with. Time running out, maybe, for Jaya Wardner and Sangakara to, to land the trophy. Yeah, in a one-off match... Anything can happen, can't it? And to lose the way they did, though, I mean, yeah, they, they shouldn't have lost it from the position they're in. So in that sense, there are questions to be answered, probably. Like you say, Malinga, you know, not for 54 in the final, is bizarre, really, you'd say, in, in, in terms of his kind of stature within the, within the game and within this format. Yeah, a little bit more from him and they probably would have won it. Uh, a few other teams got on top of him as well, not to that degree, and he did produced some great performances against England, notably. I don't know whether it's just that players have, have seen so much of him now that they you know, have better plans of how to deal with him, or whether he as a bowler is you know, maybe not as quick um, or not finding the length that he used to find so consistently. He's not as devastating as he used to be. And we kind Shrilan of saw that, didn't we, in the first game of the tournament? He didn't, he didn't really do anything against Zimbabwe. No, they got after him, actually. Yeah, and that's got to be concerning for Sri Lanka. But there are 
clearly very big positives for them to take away from here. Ajanta Mendes was the leading wicket taker in the tournament. I freely admit to thinking and indeed saying on here that um, uh, that I thought he was a, a spent force at international level. But taking four for 11 in a global final would you know, maybe suggest otherwise. If he continues that form, they'll beat most sides on most days. He's such a puzzling bowler though because he doesn't really spin it in either direction. It must be one of those things that you've just got to face him to understand why it's so difficult. But he just... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Looks like he's bowling medium pace. He's like Paul Collingwood. <laughs> but somehow people can't deal with that. Yeah, I was reading through some of the comments on Crick Info, some of the Crick Info articles towards the end of the tournament. You know, some, some people not happy that, you know, we're seeing Mendes, Narine. Ajmal so high up in the wicket-taking column. I don't want to say dubious, but dubious actions. But to some people, they would call it call their actions that. How far? How far is this mystery spinner kind of thing going to go on? Do you think? Well, how, how long before you know teams have got two or three mystery spinners in the if they can find them? It's such a weird. It's a, it's a weird like mystery label, spinner. It? It's come out. As, I think one of the things to take away from this tournament is that mystery spinner is is now just a completely legitimate style of bowling, isn't it's it? A type of yeah. bowler, yeah. It's off break legs been mysteries, mystery. <laughs> well, that's your Twitter bio now, isn't it? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm going to come back as Kobe Cricket Club's mystery spinner next next summer. As you pointed out, though, it says at Tony Kaver, mystery spinner. If someone comes across your profile that doesn't know about cricket, it just looks like you say mystery spinner. Like, <laughs> yeah, like so it kind of sounds like dreamcatcher or something <laughs> yeah. like that, doesn't it? It's like yeah. <laughs> Which you think is of yourself as like a storyteller, like you know. that and that's the you know that's the image I'm looking to portray to my yeah you're like a hipster storyteller <laughs> <laughs> with your beard and your your pipe yeah but yeah I'm gonna go away and work on my action over the winter your trousers the my trousers my shoes so yeah they're gonna be happy with with Mendes aren't they Sri Lanka um, but also the performances of Jivan Mendes and Akila Dananjaya the kid as Nasser Hussain referred to. <laughs> I mean, he is miniature, isn't he? <laughs> it's absolutely tiny. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they're, they're going to be pleased with how they went. Jeevan Mendes runs and wickets throughout the tournament. Uh, and no one, Kalasekra was excellent once again. Maybe one of the most underrated cricketers in the world, Kalasekra, because, you know, if you ask someone to list sort of the leading fast bowlers on the planet, you know, put them in a list, they'd probably go down quite a long way before they got to Kalasekra. But actually, he's been around near the top of the game for a very long time. Uh, he's topped the ODI rank, isn't he? He has been number times. one in the world yeah. uh, on more than one occasion. He's one of the best in the, you know, both in the opening overs and at the death. Had another very good tournament. Immediately prior to the men's final, we had the women's final. Australia ran out winners, retaining 
their title as they beat England by four runs. Uh, very disappointing for England because they played so well throughout the tournament, beating Australia earlier on. Uh, but they just allowed the Aussies to get too many runs in that game. What did they get? 140-odd, didn't they? And they put together a pretty valiant chase, uh, but just couldn't get there. As I say, four runs, the eventual margin of victory for the Aussies. It is a great idea, isn't it, to run the men's and the women's events simultaneously. And it does seem that with each World 2020, it's getting a, a bigger and bigger profile, would you say? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the beauties of the format, isn't it? And definitely, the, yeah, it's kind of unprecedented exposure for, for women's cricket. Which is, which is great. Do you think it's something they could think about more generally? I mean, obviously, it works really well in the World 2020 because you can play the women's games on the same grounds before men's matches. So, you know, it gets the crowds in and the TV cameras are already there, etc. But why not stage women's test matches sort of parallel to men's? Um, so, like, for example, when the Ashes is going on, why not have the women's Ashes then as well? The argument would be that it gets overshadowed by the men's event. And that's undoubtedly true. That would be true. But... But, yeah, when you play it someone else, it gets overshadowed by everything. It gets overshadowed yeah. by everything. And at least cricket is on the minds of people then. If people are thinking about the Ashes all the time and the women's Ashes is going on as well, it might get more exposure than it does now. And not just the Ashes, you know, when you know Australia play India or whatever, why not have the, the women's series then as well? Um, you can play it at different grounds in, you know... Yeah, agreed. Or, or in, you know, the reverse country, if you like. So when the Ashes in England have the women's Ashes in Australia, something like that, it, it, might, it might go you know, some way to increasing exposure because at least people are thinking about cricket then. Therefore, they might be interested in the women's matches. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. Thanks. Is it your own original idea? Is it your own work? It's my own work. Can you show yeah. your work? That's the <laughs> yeah. I can't show my workings because oh. it sort of happened in my brain. <laughs> Uh, no, that's a really good idea. I mean, you look at you look at the Olympics this summer, and not talking in terms of, of uh, you know men's sport, and women's sport, but there are there are the dominant sports or the, the really popular sports going into uh, an Olympic Games, athletics and the so, and so forth, which are heavily attended. But people go and watch random stuff that they wouldn't normally have any interest in because it's the Olympics. And yeah, that's a great idea. I think people would definitely go if. Maybe if it was in between the men's tests, you know, in a different in a different city, or, or actually, like say, in I the think, yeah, country. in the reverse country might work because then, yeah, say you know when when England time zones. Yeah. slight problem would be uh, you know for the, 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 the ashes, the conditions yeah. might be a bit difficult. <laughs> Didn't think of that one, uh, but well, for, for most UAE countries in the world, though, yeah. that isn't true. It's really only England that you definitely can't play cricket in January. I don't, I don't think you're gonna get many people going turning up to watch England <laughs> Australia women's cricket like. Headingly and <laughs> on Boxing Day, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, but you could have it in that country. So you, but you could certainly have it in Australia when the the men's ashes in is in England. I mean, they had the Under Nineteen World Cup in Australia this Southern Hemisphere winter, uh, so it's obviously possible. And yeah, it might be that you know if people are watching the Ashes, they think, but but they can't go because it's in the wrong part of the world. They think, oh well, you know, I can go and watch the women. I don't know. It's something to think about anyway. Yeah, I'll certainly take it to the next meeting, the next yeah, <laughs> top-level meeting that I'll attend. But anyway, coming back to the, the World 2020, just more generally, overall, how do you rate this tournament? I won't ask you for a mark out of 10 because we know that that doesn't really get us anywhere. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. was it a success for you? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, 100% it was a success. Not 100, It was 100% a success. Not 100 uh, out of 100. No. Uh, yeah, fantastic. As I said before, definitely... Um, maybe not quite on a par with the Ashes because that's just a kind of bizarrely unique thing in sport. But uh, outside of the Ashes, probably the thing I, I most look forward to now in cricket. Really enjoyable. The format, you know, it's the right length. The question marks maybe uh, remain over the group stages, 
certainly in this tournament they were pretty pretty dry not not a huge amount to to get excited about but then the super eights delivered in a, in a massive way and the knockouts although unbelievably short uh were great so so overall so overall very positive not a mark a- out of minus. 10 but how many thumbs up out of 10 would you give it? <laughs> uh i'd give it probably eight thumbs up well okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eight fingers out of 10 eight, eight enthusiastic thumbs up yeah, as you say, the group stage is probably something that needs to be looked at, whether they can uh, rebrand it as qualifying rather than part of the tournament I mean, proper. Yeah. I don't know, it's difficult. But. There are cost implications, but maybe maybe you, you roll in the... Well, I mean, maybe it goes on too long, but for the, for like the casual cricket fan, they probably wouldn't take any notice of a, a more extended pre-qualifying tournament. But for then, for the real hardcore, the real geeks like you, yeah. and to certainly certain me, uh, we get a, uh, you, know, you, you get an extended, extended bit, of, bit of tournament to get into so yeah maybe invite more of the associate teams to qualify first and then that at least also gives them a little bit of momentum maybe more so than they would have by just playing a couple of warm-up games and well certainly the poindexers like me would (laughs) enjoy that um and yeah that's a very good point it might it might give associate teams momentum there is a qualifying tournament but it takes place six months before yeah the group stages do probably need to be looked at as we said at the time you know part of the problem was just for whatever reason they didn't throw up any exciting games or upsets or anything close to an upset which won't happen every time but they weren't great viewing and that was a problem it meant that the tournament took quite a while to get going but it did get going and the bulk of the competition is the super eights and they were fantastic you know big teams playing each other every day twice a day and the 50 over world cup is almost laughably bad in comparison (laughs) isn't it largely it's because the world 2020 is very short you have more than one game per day and it's over very quickly we talk about the group stage uh, but no one really remembers the group stage, partly because it was so boring, but also because you just remember the Super 8s and the semi-finals and the final, which were excellent. Whereas with the 50-over World Cup, the boring group stage is what you remember, unless your team wins it. What you remember is the six weeks of group stage <laughs> yeah. that were so dull. But So the two events are very, very different, and the World 2020 is so much better. Um, and it helped that this particular event, there was some, there was some terrific cricket played. You know, as you say, it took a while to get going. But then we had some absorbing games, some thrilling finishes. And West Indies winning was, you know, the cherry on top of the milkshake, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think as well, uh, you want to see the the best players and you want to see them doing well. And Watson, Gale, McCullough, maybe maybe the three best batsmen all performed to a certain extent, or to a big extent for, for at least two of them. And some great bowling as and well. And some great bowling as well. Who could ignore the bowlers? What were the standout moments for you? <sighs> There's quite, I mean, yeah, there's quite a lot, isn't there? I have to all work backwards because that's how my mind works. <laughs> uh, I mean, in the final Samuel's innings, some of the shots, some of the sixes, six sixes he hit. Yeah, we've talked about special. this already. Yeah, I'm, I'm working back now. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, this is like Benjamin Button. <laughs> Sam, in innings, Samuel's, Watson, watching him back was... Which one? Pretty special. Any of the, the, the occasions where he scored runs, right. which I now need to just check. <laughs> against India, against... South Africa. Well, the Super Overs were very exciting, weren't they? Um, Super Overs were very exciting. New Zealand involved in both. Pakistan coming back to beat South Africa. That was certainly one of the games of the tournament. They were, what, 60 for six, looked over. And then a phenomenal partnership between Umar Gul and Umar Akmal hauled them over the line. Going back to the very start, Afghanistan having a real go at India. Doesn't that feel like forever ago? It's only, it's only three weeks ago. Yeah. But that just feels like another lifetime to me at this point. Not a huge amount from England, from an English perspective. Luke Wright. Wouldn't have probably predicted that at the start of the tournament. He'd maybe be, maybe have provided a couple of highlights. 
couple of good innings from Owen Morgan as well. Just good to see Steve Finn bowl very well. The West Indian fielding in general was a, was a massive highlight, wasn't it? There was some extraordinary... Andre Russell didn't have a brilliant tournament with bat or ball in the final. He got, what, golden duck and didn't bowl. <laughs> um, but that athletic salmon leap over the boundary against England... That might have won in the tournament. Yeah, you could say that that was the difference because had that gone for six, maybe they would have lost that game. Uh, it was just an astonishing piece of fielding, and that will definitely stick in my mind. Talk about Andre Russell's points. That you know, I don't know how he's feeling or how he, how, you know, how much how he felt when everyone was celebrating at the end. Probably he'd be loving it, but it might, maybe it gives you an idea of what he, what I might have felt when we used to play cricket back in the day, had we ever won anything. <laughs> Not that we did, but I wouldn't have contributed probably. So. total absence of contribution. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you, you, it's that awkward feeling, you know, should you, should you really get involved or well, yeah, I, do you feel slightly embarrassed? I have it? had that before though in the past, like, or, you know, even this season for Cobra Legends sometimes I've, you know, I, I picked up, I think one duck this season and I don't think I bowled in that game, but we won. Everyone's going off sort of patting each other on the back. <laughs> You're like, well, I stopped a couple of balls down at fine leg. But, uh, you were there. I mean, you made the yeah. difference. So, yeah. I clapped a lot. I did a lot of clapping <laughs> a lot of between deliveries. <laughs> Bowling, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Line and length. Line and length, Mike. And that's important, you know. In a game of fine margins, that could be all, all the difference. Shot, Tony. No, it didn't happen often. No, it really didn't happen, I don't think. Slight weaknesses, you know, if, if we're being critical. The uh, production values of the, the TV work you know, left a little to be desired in certain places. The stunt Mike did my head in, uh, particularly towards the end of the tournament, where they failed completely to get the levels right on there. And it just sounded like all the bats were using, like kids' bats from the 80s with, that were made of like plastic. Horrible. Yeah, every Tinny, time. kind of... Ugh. Every time they, know, was, they hit a shot, it sounded like they sliced it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd you know, kind of... It for four. If I wasn't looking at the TV at that instant, you'd hear the shot and you'd think, oh, God, he's, you know, he's miscued that one, he's going to be caught in the deep. And you look up and it's just flying miles over the energy, like 95 metre six or something. You're like, oh. Yeah, and that's, as you say, that's the, the production and the commentary. I'm going to miss this tournament, Tony, but I will not miss the commentators, I'll tell you that much. Just the roster. They're obviously trying to strike a balance between the various nationalities, but it's like they handpicked the worst ones from each country. You know, where were Holding, Cozier, Slater, Warren, Pollock, the ones that they did choose were either lacklustre or just plain annoying. <laughs> Reminiscent of the IPL in how sort of tediously overexcited some of them were. Not mentioning any names. Bumble, Sanjay, Pommy, Tony Gregg. But saying that, there was no Danny Morrison, so I suppose we can all be thankful for that. <laughs> Atherton was one of those left on the bench. I felt quite sorry for him throughout the tournament. You know, he was stuck in the chilly studio in London. But then they sent him out to Sri Lanka for the semi-finals and the final. Him and Ian Ward. Great gig. Had a little studio set up in Colombo. So I didn't really feel sorry for him anymore. I felt sorry for myself instead that I wasn't out there. Well, I felt sorry for myself that your dream dashing caused us to have to watch the game from, from home. Yes, from we, foggy, rainy Guernsey. We were going to go to Sri Lanka at one point. We had plans to go out <laughs> for the tournament. Uh, but then we're now, Tony the pipe dream guy uh, <laughs> ensured that it, it fell through. Adam dream dasher Bayfield. <laughs> right, well, here we are then. This is what everyone's been waiting for. My team of the tournament. My composite 11, if you will. This has kept me on the edge of my seat and for I the best part of an hour. you probably will. Have you just copied Alex Stewart's from BBC Sport? I haven't read Alex Stewart's, so you're, wow. you're going to have to tell me afterwards. I haven't read any t- I mean, there are likely to be players shared across both teams, I'd imagine. Well, probably. <laughs> it's quite a difficult task 
to pick a team in the tournament that isn't immensely predictable. Well, anyway, have, have a listen to this, see what you think. The top three essentially picks itself, doesn't it? Gail, Watson, Samuels. And I'm going for Virat Kohli at four. Uh, he had a pretty decent tournament before India got knocked out early doors. Uh, Brendan McCullum at number five, he's, he's got the gloves. The only century of the tournament. A blistering knock against Bangladesh. I think just because of that, you can't really overlook him. Uh, Mahela Jaiwardner, all the way down at number six, but uh, it's got about somewhere. Bit of a slow start, but grew into the tournament as it went on. Jeevan Mendis is at number seven. Runs and wickets. Then two spinners. Ajantha Mendis, who was the leading wicket taker. And Sunil Narain, who turned in three crucial performances in West Indies. Three consecutive wins at the sharp end of the tournament. Uh, then Steve Finn is one of my fast bowlers. And the other one is Mitchell Stark, uh, who a few months ago looked like you know maybe the least exciting of Australia's clutch of young fast bowlers. But now maybe looks like the most exciting. Had a very, very good tournament, I thought. Uh, so, yeah, that's my 11. As I say, in many ways, quite a predictable team. Yeah, he's done then, some things But then what do you want me to do? I could pick William Porterfield, I suppose, uh, just, yeah. just for a left field selection. Well, he had a great tournament, didn't he? Literally the worst tournament that it's possible <laughs> to have with two diamonds. I did feel very sorry for him. Yeah, that, that might have been fun, actually, to pick a team in the tournament, like like the worst 11 who had the worst tournaments. Porterfield would probably be captain. Bapara would almost certainly Bapara be in there. Bapara would be in there. It'd be quite a tussle for the wicket-keeping gloves between Keys Vetter and Brendan Taylor, <laughs> I tell you that much. I think Brendan Taylor, for how much he let mine and, well, and yours, I think, a little bit, our own uh, fantasy teams down. I stood well clear of Keys Vetter. <laughs> so, yeah. I had, until the knockout rounds when I brought in Kima Sangakara, my wicket-keeper throughout the tournament was first Brendan Taylor and then Craig <laughs> Keys Vetter, and they were both rubbish. So what did we predict at the start? My predictions tailed off somewhat. <laughs> uh, I think I picked a New Zealand-Pakistan fight. I say I picked, you know, I, I came it from a betting value perspective. I might not have declared that at the start. A valley perspective. A valley pers- right. valley perspective. I thought you meant you were approaching it from like a valley girl perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt Pakistan and New Zealand definitely offered the best valley to to the punter. And I think that you know they were in many ways as close as anyone, apart from the other three <laughs> semi finalists, to winning the title. So yeah. Well, I predicted uh, a Sri Lanka. Pakistan final turned out to be the semi-final uh, but I also predicted that West Indies would get to the semi-finals so, I think you, know, you predicted about six semi-finals I did predict six semi-finals yeah uh, the only two eight. that I didn't predict were England and Australia who did get there <laughs> um, so that was that was a little disappointing but you know I, you've got to say that I got closer than you <laughs> Uh, I think on the prediction. balance of it, yours is more of a scattergun approach, whereas I, 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 you know, I, st- I had more of a hard focus. I well, think. If we go pre-tournament, I got three out of four semi-finalists correct and one finalist correct, and you got no finalists and two semi-finalists. Yeah, but if we go on the kind of the balance of the events and actually look at the story of the tournament, if we look at look, New Zealand, if you look at value, value, they were out at twenty-five. Their value, New Zealand's value. I just thought the value. <laughs> Pathetic. Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty pretty content with that. We know who the real winner was here. If you'll permit me to coin a phrase here, Tone, that's all, folks. Have you enjoyed this one, this particular episode? It's been fun. Well, I've certainly enjoyed it. I've had a whale of a time. I hope the listeners enjoyed it too, uh, because this might be the last episode for a few weeks. Just going to take a little bit of a break. God knows we could do with a break. Uh, but before you start crying into your cereal... Uh, we will be back soon, probably around Halloween, I reckon. We could come back for our, our spooky Halloween special. <laughs> and we'll come back in a big way. We'll be gearing up for the winter's big test series. We've got I mean, cricket Australia, South Africa, India, England. Yeah, cricket literally doesn't stop. Uh, there's always something to look forward to. I guess now we're really building towards the next global tournament, which is, what, the Champions Trophy next year? Just next June. One of the great tournaments, kind of one of the great formats in world sport. <laughs> yeah, so let's, 
Let's really get our teeth into that. And we're going to go to that, aren't we? We've talked about going we to some of those games. Yeah, it yeah, is which, in England. We ought to go to it, shouldn't we? Yeah. We have a responsibility. Do you reckon we can get a ourselves. press pass for the we Champions We might be able to get accreditation, yeah. Okay. I don't know what we do with it. <laughs> we kind of wander around the background, buzzing about. Heckling Ravi Bapara. Yeah, just hanging out on Facebook and stuff. I say heckling Ravi Bapara. If Ravi Bapara is in the England squad for the Champions Trophy, I'm going to pack it in, I think. Pack the whole thing in. Yeah, because well, clearly no one's listening to me. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so we're, we're just going to have a few weeks off, you know, recharge the batteries. We might do something in the interim, maybe something visual. So keep your eyes on the skies. And by skies, I mean internet. I'll put people off. But yeah, you got much lined up over the next few weeks, Tony? How are you going to spend your holiday? Your holiday uh, from the podcast? Yeah, got a few bits. A few bits coming up, a few little trips away. London, mainly. Should be fun. Actually, in fact... Much banter to be had, I imagine. certainly uh, those are happening after this this time. So I think in the next couple of weeks, I'll just take a back seat in proceedings. I'm just going to try and get some sleep, I think. I, you know, I'd I recommend work, that. You look I dreadful. work round the clock <laughs> to get this podcast. You look like a ghost. On air. Uh, well, that, <laughs> that'll work for our Halloween special. Yeah, just keep it up. I mean, what cricket have we got to look forward to? What's going to happen in those next? Over the next few weeks? Well, there's the Champions League. There's no international. There's the uh, Women's 2020 Asia Cup towards the end of this month. On the 30th, Sri Lanka play New Zealand uh, in the only T20. That's and that it. is the only international match between now and Halloween. Yeah. You know, if we were doing podcasts between now and then, what would we talk <laughs> Literally, about? I don't know. Um, but then when we return, as I say, there's some enormous test series this winter. We've got South Africa in Australia, England in India, New Zealand in Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka in Australia, New Zealand in South Africa, England in New Zealand. Phew, it's all happening. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to a big winter of cricket. And you guys can look forward to it too. Big winter of cricket with the World Cricket Show. But between now and the end of this month, we won't be doing podcasts, but you can still get involved in the World Cricket Show. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Everyone loves a bit of Facebook. Don't pull a McRae and pretend that you're not on there. We know that you are. So go to our Facebook page and click the like button. Suggest it to your friends as well. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow the podcast at Cricket Show. That's essentially me. You can also follow Mystery Spinner Tony at Tony Cover T O N Y C V double R. I mean, essentially, my postings are more infrequent, maybe than yours, but kind of more significant. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of more, yeah, more, yeah, more noticeable. Yours is just kind of a deluge of guff, isn't it? <laughs> Please stop using the word guff on the podcast. Vim and guff are probably two of my least favourite words. Send us an email as well, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Do that if you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers. Leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate the hell out of all the reviews that we get. Um, so, you know, you can just click the star rating if you want, as long as it's five stars. But, you know, write something as well. Be creative. You Let like, your imagination you like. flow. Don't feel like Adam's pressuring you. <laughs> and buy a T-shirt as well. If you go to Cricket Show. .net, uh, you can buy a World Cricket Show t-shirt for just £15. It layers remarkably well. You know, we're coming into the winter here in this part of the world. So, you know, get a cardi over the top of that, then maybe God. maybe maybe a jacket and then, you know. I don't like the word cardi oh, either. For goodness you sake. stop this. Yeah, so just layer it up. It, it, it builds a nice outfit. It's this fool's must-have fashion item. <laughs> Milan, Paris, New York. It's pretty much the only thing anyone's wearing. Uh, so yeah, just fifteen pounds. What's that? About twenty-four US dollars. About twenty-three Aussie dollars. Oh, no, it's a, it makes a great Christmas present as well. If you wanted to get your Christmas shopping in early, nothing says "I love you" like a World Cricket Show t-shirt. <laughs> nothing says "I love you" <laughs> like a t-shirt from a podcast that the that person probably, probably doesn't listen to. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, yeah, that's about it from here. Take one last look around the studio tent. Try and remember what this looks like. You'll be, you'll miss this over the next few weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. Stay in school, boys and girls. We'll see you in a few weeks. Bye bye for now. Don't forget about us. forget about us <laughs> yeah. don't it's easy to do <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure that you're well aware when we're coming back remember me please <laughs> want flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance check out united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly medical dental and vision coverage that may be right for you more at uh1.com 